0: LOA Today. I'm Walt Tison here with life coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, March the twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. It's four PM in New York, one PM in Los Angeles, eight PM in London, Sydney, Australia, I believe that, uh let's see, that'll make it seven AM. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And I'm realizing that my video is cutting off the top of my head, so I'll see if I can adjust that. But uh, this is a minor consideration because it's Neville Day, and we get to continue with hey. our discussions about Neville, which is what we always do every week, Cindy and I. How are you doing, Cindy? You having a good week?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really, really good. I'm uh, excited about this because this is always like one of my favorite highlights of the week is doing Neville. Neville's like, uh, Yay. He, he's like, he's like well, a ghost now. that's good here. Yeah, well, there was a time when you had to kind of talk me into him, you know, like maybe about a year ago, <laughs> this, you know, this time of year, roughly. And uh, we we did a special, I remember, on Neville, and it intrigued me. And then we kind of let it slip for a bit. And then last September, we really started going for it. Or was it August? But somewhere around there, we started really going through all his books and so forth. And, yeah, I'm I'm now hooked on Neville. (laughs)
1: What I think is interesting is we did not do the Neville books that we've done. We didn't do them in chronological order.
0: Right, yeah.
1: And we decided to do this one. Because the other books were were a lot shorter, most of them, and then this one was longer. So we decided to do this one, and it's the very first one, and it's really been interesting for me because I I think I can kind of see the uh, evolution of Neville's thoughts, you know, starting back here at the beginning. So it's been kind of kind of fun to yeah, see. You start to
0: get that after a while, don't you? It's like uh, yeah, it, it, it isn't just bible verses after a while after a while you can see there's a stream of of uh not just consciousness but of of awareness and clarity like there 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 are certain concepts that he wants you to understand in a certain order and once you get that it all starts to really make sense
1: it does it's like well it it's not like it is learning a new language
0: yes it is exactly we
1: joke about the devil decoder ring but (laughs) it's really true that Once you kind of understand what he means when he uses certain terms, then it starts to become easy to understand or easier to understand what he's saying.
0: (laughs) So that's true. Everything does become easier. Now, well, I I should say everything, all the concepts become easier to understand. It doesn't necessarily mean that reading the book is easy because we're coming up on a chapter now that uh, has a little bit of discomfort attached to it. (laughs) It's not exactly the most comfortable title on the world. more than one level huh? <laughs> <laughs> on more than one level, yeah uh but i I am convinced because of what we know about the Neville Dakota ring that there is more to it than meets the eye when we look at the chapter name, and the chapter is called Circumcision. Okay guys, calm down. <laughs> I know how you feel.
1: <laughs> we joked about it after the show last week, knowing we were coming into this chapter. I said, I joke I was just gonna wear a paper bag over my head. Right, right, right. 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 The comment. right. <laughs> but, but actually, um, I don't think it's a long chapter. I think Neville's gonna make some interesting points. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be in total dis- in total agreement with Neville on this chapter. Hmm. Um, but we'll see what okay. happens.
0: Alright.
1: <laughs> So do we have any announcements we need to make or any?
0: Uh, Not really. Um, No? (laughs) We have uh, listeners uh, kind of filtering into the live stream. Jason's saying hello from Michigan. But uh, no, I I think we're just kind of ready to go. We can do our uh, PR announcements later on, you know, in in the middle of the show or toward the end or something. But for now, let's just go for it. Okay.
1: Well, let's dive in. We have been making our way through the book Your Faith is Your Fortune by Neville Goddard. And we are in chapter 14. As usual, Neville starts out the chapter. If you think about it, when he's writing this whole book, Your Faith, he's, he's talking about, I believe on some level, he's talking about the Christian faith because he's using Christian Bible verses for most of it. I think that Neville considered himself a Christian mystic and he incorporated belief systems not just Christian, but all kinds of belief systems into his work. He has a very esoteric way of looking at this, the Christian Bible verses, and that's what we've sort of been breaking down, because um, neither one of us consider ourselves to be a Christian, Right. although I'm very familiar with these writings, mm-hmm. and you may be as well. Um, but Neville defines things so differently than most of us were brought up learning, uh, that makes the difference. So we'll start here. Well, before you Neville's start, chapter. I,
0: I, I said that there Go were ahead. no announcements, and after I said that, Jason posted a question, and it's it's not a Neville okay. question; it's actually an Abraham question. So I figured, why don't we do that, and then we can start reading Neville. Let's hear it. Okay, so Jason asks, "I'm just learning about the 68 second manifesting. Does this speed mm-hmm. up the process?" He asks. And you know what you're talking what he's talking about, right? The 68 seconds for uh, manifesting a an actual thing. Uh, Abraham talks about how uh, I I believe it was originally 17 seconds. If you focus on something for 17 seconds, then you'll get another thought uh, on the same vibration as that thought. And then if you continue for another 17 and another 17, another 17, that adds up to 68 seconds. So basically four times the original amount. And if you keep doing it that way, then something physical is going to manifest. That's what the 68 seconds is about.
1: Well, to answer the question, does that speed it up? I'm not sure, you know, Anything that we can do to increase our focus will help bring things into manifestation quicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, anyway. But we we all know that these things don't work in theory; they work in practice. <laughs> so the the idea is is to you know increase your focus. Um, I, I've actually seen some people have created like timers online for, you know, 17 second timers and 68 second timers so they can hold a vision for that amount of time. I think that if we just get into the habit of focusing on what we want, focusing on what we want to see, focusing on that side of the coin instead of on the other side, which is the lack of what we want and the things we don't want to see. If we'll continually pivot ourselves over to keep focusing on that, I don't think we have to worry so much about how many seconds we're doing it for. Uh, But to answer the question directly, sure. I mean, I, I think that that's the reasoning behind it, anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: We we always want everything to happen so fast, right? We want to speed <laughs> it up. We want to read, We want to hurry. And um, sometimes I think we'd be better off to like go with the flow and slow down a little bit, and not get ahead of ourselves so much. Um, I think Abraham talks about that the the buffer of time mm-hmm. that we all should be. Very thankful that there's a buffer of time that we don't get what we think we yeah, want right? immediately every time, right? We'd be in big trouble if that happened.
0: Although we, we have a little bit to be concerned about there, believe it or not, because Louis D'Souza, who keeps track of all the Abraham stuff for me, tells me that the 17-second rule is now into, now down to a 14-second rule, according to Abraham. Because I, I was
1: going to ask you about that, I remembered yeah. hearing someone say, that. oh, the times are shortening, they're speeding up,
0: so Yeah. and so sixty eight yeah, seconds is now to. that's now fifty six seconds instead of sixty eight seconds, <laughs> <laughs> and we're under a minute folks. A, apparently a minute exactly, apparently it's attributable <laughs> to the fact that the as a global population, we're becoming more spiritually aware, our vibration is lifting, it's increasing, okay, and when our vibration increases, that means we're going to be. we're easily in tune with what it is that we're trying to reach for in our thought process. So we're going to get there faster, which is what Jason wanted. He wants to get there faster.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, something that you and I've spoken about before as well, though, is the kind of the flip side of that. And that is as the consciousness is raised of a collective, Mm. the contrast between that raised consciousness and the consciousness that's not yet quite there. Oh, yes. The, con- the contrast is much greater. And so it can be a lot more uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. So that's, you know.
0: And we're seeing that. There's, I mean, just look in the world at all yeah. this, the, the controversy and splits and everything that are going on. And right. And there is your indicator that there are some people who just aren't catching up as well as others are. And so, yeah, it, it does create more contrast. But contrast is good. That's what Abraham keeps assuring us. Right?
1: right. So that's what I was going to say. So as that contrast... You know, it happens, it provides us with the catalyst that allows us to focus in a greater way, if that's what we choose to do, because of the contrast. So mm-hmm. it's actually, even the contrast is helping speed things up.
0: Which is cool also. It's really yeah. interesting. It is. Yeah. And I also like to think about the whole thing as, you know, it's it's not like we have to keep a, a stopwatch on ourselves. I mean, most of our phones do have a stopwatch built in, but if you spend your time looking at the stopwatch when you're trying to focus your thoughts, you're not going to be focusing your thoughts. So literally, that's not the way to go. So instead, the way I think about it is, I'm just trying to increase the vibration. The more that I focus on something, whatever that something is, the more the vibration increases. And it, it, it's kind of like a harmonic. You know, when you have, um, if you have uh, like a, I don't know, a tuning fork, and, and you hit the tuning fork and it vibrates to the, uh, the note A, and then you have another tuning fork across the room. It'll all start, so also start vibrating to that same A. Right. You know, that's that's the kind of vibration we're talking about. When we're building that vibration, that that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And and you get that big enough. I mean, uh, civil engineers have used that that principle to bring buildings down when they want to do demolitions. I mean, that's how powerful vibration can get. So that's all you're really trying to do. You're just trying to keep building that vibration, build it and build it and build it and build it.
1: And and working to your folk, you know. Mm-hmm. seconds? it sounds like a small amount of time. It might feel like a huge amount of time if you're consciously trying to focus for that. Like, oh, yeah. while you were talking about last week about the, uh, the, the previous spring when you were having the pain in your knees and you were trying to focus oh, on, yeah. you know, on the <laughs> yeah. lack of pain. Focus on the part of your body that didn't have pain. Mm-hmm. And 17 seconds would have seemed like an eternity. Uh, so, you know, it's really just, to me anyway, the important thing is learning how to pivot.
0: Right, that's every actually more time important. you're right. thinking
1: thoughts you don't want to recognize, to be aware of it, to catch it right away. That, to me, that's the kind of the trick here is not to be wallowing in thoughts of what you don't want, to catch yourself right away. Oh yeah, I want to think about what I do want and pivot over to that. Then you'll collectively start getting many seconds until pretty soon you're thinking about it m- most of the time instead of the other way around where most of the time your thoughts are focused on what you don't want. So I think that that's the key right there is the awareness and being able to switch those thoughts. Absolutely. More important than having a stopwatch on it.
0: Oh yeah. Much more important than a stopwatch. And, and yeah, also let re- Abraham keep remember there are a lot of minutes in a day I and mean, we're not just talking about one minute in a day. There are literally right. thousands of them in a day, you know, there's just right. a huge number. So if you can actually focus for even a large chunk of the day on what you want, you're building vibration in a major, major way. You know, so you don't have to worry about fifty six seconds or sixty eight seconds or whatever. You just go for the vibration, go for the good feel and keep pivoting.
1: <laughs> pivot, pivot, pivot. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So and apparently right, well, I
1: hope that answered the question.
0: Well he's thanking us and he also laughed. So I guess yes, we did answer the question. That's good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so are we ready to see what Neville has to say?
0: I believe we are, yes. So I'll get my All right. Neville book.
1: Walt's well, got his book out. I'm reading online. I've got my book here as well, but a little easier for me to go on the computer. So Neville starts out, the title of the chapter is Circumcision, and he starts out a, a verse from the Christian Bible. He says, In whom also ye are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ. That's the verse that he, that he leads off with, What sounds a little bit confusing.
0: No kidding. <laughs> um,
1: but, but basically all he is saying is he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to Christians uh, and saying that, that they've been circumcised in a more spiritual circumcision. It's not made with hands. It's not of the body. It's, It's the circumcision that puts off the sins of the flesh. Um, And then Neville goes to describe what he means by that or what his definition. And he says, circumcision is the operation which removes the veil that hides the head of creation. Now, I want to be clear about one thing, and that is, and it's not really what we're discussing. And yet this whole idea of physical circumcision that, Neville's talking about out of the Christian Bible is actually a a Jewish concept that's the sign of the covenant between mm. the Jewish people and their God.
0: Yes, yeah, good point.
1: Now now he's referencing it in a Christian fashion, and yet he's using his own definition. So we're we're getting like you know, three degrees or five degrees away <laughs> from from the actual thing. And he says this here. He says The physical act has nothing to do with the spiritual act. And I have a little bit of a question about that because I always look at things through the filter of hermetic principles. So as above, so below, right? As within, so without. So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, well, the physical act, but it actually does have something to do with the spiritual act because all of these things are always connected. There's always some kind of correspondence What I think he's saying, he clarifies in the next sentence. He says, the whole world could be physically circumcised and yet remain unclean and blind leaders of the blind. Okay, so he's saying, just because you make some kind of mark on your body, that doesn't mean anything's changed in your heart or in your spirit.
0: Which is true.
1: I can agree with him there.
0: Yeah, I Um, agree
1: with that. Right? Mm -hmm. So he says, the spiritually circumcised have had the veil of darkness removed and know themselves to be Christ, the light of the world. So gotcha. now we're getting into the real Neville stuff here.
0: <laughs> and this, <laughs> <he's> is, like, <laughs> this is where we have to start bringing in the, uh, the, the decoder ring, too, because he talked about putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. We well, have to remember what he means by sin, because he doesn't mean what Christians mean yes. by sin. It means an entirely different thing. It just means missing the mark. It just means didn't hit it. Got correct my aim. So the sins of the flesh is... The, is is the flesh missing
1: <laughs> no you're right, and that's a good catch we we I, that's one of those things I know people that listen people that are listeners to the Neville show you know week after week after week i I apologize if you get really tired of hearing this, but it's really important for someone who hasn't heard it, and that is the idea of sin in the way the original language is actually written and the way Neville is telling us they're the same, and that is that, like Walt said, it, it just means you've missed the mark. It's like shooting at a target with an arrow and you miss the bullseye, or maybe you missed the target altogether. You've missed it. So what do you do? You just get out another arrow and you take a better aim. So when we as conscious creators have missed the mark, Maybe we've gone out in the wrong direction or we've tried to create something we decide we don't really want or doesn't really resonate with us or it's not really true to who we are. Uh, Then we just, we just try again. We just revise it. That's what that, that's what he is calling sin and the forgiveness of sin. When he talks about that, he's talking about starting over, doing it over, just a do over. That's the forgiveness. You're making it right. You're aiming your arrow at a better uh, target.
0: So now we have to tie okay, in the concept so. of, of the blind leaders of the blind, because, again, I think we're talking about something a little bit different from what people would normally think, and I think that because the following sentence says, the spiritually circumcised have had the veil of darkness, and I think that's a key thing, that's where the blindness comes in, the veil of darkness removed right. and know themselves to be Christ, Christ being imagination or consciousness. So, yes. doing a little translating going on here, we've got... Right. Putting, putting off the 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 sins of the flesh, in other words, missing the mark. I guess with the flesh, I'm not quite sure where the flesh fits in there, and uh, not remaining one of the blind leaders of the blind. Meaning that uh, we have removed our veil of blindness. We are we are now seeing clearly from a spiritual perspective, and at the same time understanding that that is the action of knowing yourself to be Christ. Meaning knowing your own consciousness. So. How we, I'm not sure exactly how we tie that together, but you can see this is going in a direction that is not the way we'd normally expect it to go.
1: <laughs> right, right. So, so he is saying that once you've recognized, once you've had that veil taken away, that you've recognized yourself to be Christ or your imagination to be Christ, because he uses that as well, mm-hmm. to your imagination to be God, your consciousness to be God, to be the creator, to be the power, That is that creates all things, once you recognize that, then the darkness is removed. That's the process. That's the result of having the darkness removed. So then he says, let me now perform the spiritual operation on you, the reader. (laughs) He, He says, this act is performed on the eighth day after birth, not because this day has any special significance. Now, as a Jewish person that knows the <laughs> the Jewish verses, it does have a spiritual yeah,
0: significance. It does, yeah.
1: And an interesting aside is that medical science has determined now in modern day that The eighth day of a baby's life is the day that his immune function is strongest. His antibodies have risen to a level where he can have this operation performed on him with the least, you know, possibility of infection.
0: I didn't know that. That's very interesting.
1: So, it is interesting. But it's completely aside from what Neville's talking (laughs) about. So, Neville says the, the day has no, any difference in any from any other day but it's performed on this eighth day because eight is the figure which has neither beginning nor end so neville's apparently turned the eight on its side and it's now an infinity uh, symbol um let's visit for just a moment
0: let's just visit for a moment the the jewish interpretation of why it's the eighth day because there is a spiritual significance there i'm just curious to see is there a connection that he's drawing between the way judaism looks at it and this concept of infinity
1: I don't see a connection.
0: You don't? Okay.
1: No. Um and it's fine because he's not talking about this. And I guess that's the point I was making is there's no, I don't see a real necessity for him to say it doesn't have any meaning, mm-hmm. right? Because he's giving it meaning. He certainly is. So knows, we can yes. go with, we can go with the meaning that he's giving. Why? Because he's the teacher today. <laughs> and so he's telling us, the way he sees it. Okay. So he says, the ancients symbolized the eighth numeral or letter as an enclosure or veil within and behind which lay buried the mystery of creation. Thus the secret of the operation on the eighth day is keeping with the nature of the act, which is to reveal the eternal head of creation, that changeless something in which all things begin and end and yet which remains its eternal self when all things cease to be. This myster- this mysterious something is your awareness of being. At this moment, you're aware of being. Now, I love this. This part of the chapter I love. At this moment, you are aware of being, but you're also aware of being someone. And he says this someone is the veil that hides the being you really are. Mm. And I think we could talk mm. about that for, like, the whole podcast almost yeah. because... Right, because we've, we've talked about this before. If this veil that he's speaking of is the thing that's hiding the truth from us, is the thing that's keeping us in the dark, is the thing that's not letting us recognize the power we have within us as creators, the Christ consciousness or our consciousness, our imagination. If this veil is hiding all of that, he says it's the awareness of being someone That this someone is the veil. And we talk all the time about our I am stories. Mm -hmm. And I think many of those I am stories are anything attached to I am is the veil. Because we've added something. The real truth is I am. And as soon as we make that and he goes on, he's going to say it. You're first conscious of being. Then you're conscious of being man." After the veil of man is placed upon your faceless self, you become conscious of being a member of a certain race, a nation, family, creed. The veil to be lifted in spiritual circumcision is the veil of man. So do you get that sense of that that's where he's going? The more things we add to our I am statement, it's it's like those statements sometimes trap us into a very limited version of who we could be.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think you're definitely on the right track here, for sure. Um, the the thing that kind of grabs my attention in his use of the word veil is that, I, I actually think the word veil is a little bit misleading, but I'll, I'll go with his word. He's using veil to mean consciously placed limitation. Because literally yeah. everything that we think, everything that we create, everything that we do is based on limitations on, you know, we, we create a structure. A structure, by definition, has limitations to it. It has boundaries. And, and you don't, you, you know, you go beyond the, the boundary and you don't have a structure anymore. The structure disappears. So uh, it, it becomes a necessary part of how conscious thought works. Conscious thought is limit-based. and And I think that's what he means by the veil. The veil is another way of saying the limit. Now, what's interesting is he's turned this whole metaphor of circumcision into a way of saying understand what's going on behind all those limits that, that we all place in, in in our understanding of who we are and what our role is and so forth. Um, understand that there there is a subtext going on there, and that subtext is the true essence of who we are. I think that's really what he's getting at.
1: Right, because he says, the veil to be lifted in spiritual circumcision is the veil of man, but before this can be done, you must cut away the adhesions of race, nation, family, and so on. Mm-hmm. Then he quotes this verse, in Christ there is neither Greek nor Jew, nor bond nor free, male nor female. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythians, slave, freeman, but Christ is all and in all. You must leave father, mother, brother, follow me. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Um there's a lot of controversy over what those verses actually mean uh but I believe he's just saying if you if you can't walk away <laughs> from all of those uh identifiers it's not that we need to walk away from them but we have to hold them loosely we have to understand that we are a lot more than the things the labels that we put on ourselves
0: right those are those same limits that I was mentioning before. And, yeah, um, and
1: you know, you, you, you had said conscious limitations and the thing that came up to my mind when I heard you say that was, what about subconscious limitations?
0: Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, devil yeah. has said it himself from his perspective. The subconscious mind is simply another part of the conscious mind. So, of course, has to be. Correct. Yeah.
1: Right. Good point. And so, sometimes we don't even realize the limitations that we put on ourselves.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So we, <laughs>
1: He, he says, to accomplish this, you stop identifying yourself with these divisions by becoming indifferent to such claims. Indifference is the knife that severs. Feeling is the tie that binds. Now, that's interesting because Neville's been teaching us about that the feeling is the secret forever, right?
0: right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's talking about, and this is what I mean by it's funny to go back and read his first book, because I wonder how many things he, you know, how many of his own beliefs evolved over time.
0: I think so. He says, yeah, when you can
1: look upon, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. I'm 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 blivering.
1: (laughs) When you can look upon man as one grand brotherhood without distinction of race or creed, then you will know that you have severed these adhesions. And that's really interesting to hear him say this uh, because he was writing, you know, 80 years ago or something, right? Mm-hmm. Seventy years ago. And we're seeing there's still so much division in the world.
0: Yep.
1: And and he is saying when when you get to the place where you don't see that division anymore, when you can just look upon man as one grand brotherhood without distinction of race or creed, you'll know that you've severed these adhesions. With these ties cut, all that now separates you from your true being is your belief that you are man. To remove this last veil, you drop your conception of yourself as man by knowing yourself just to be. Instead of the consciousness of I am man, let there just be I am, faceless, formless, without figure. It's a really, really powerful statement. (laughs) And he ties the
0: the, the concept of of circumcision into it now. Now that he he has got us down to, okay, strip away all the other stuff. I I, want to make a comment, too, about the word adhesions. I'll I'll get to that in a minute. But now that he's said, okay, strip away all this other stuff, these outside layers, these veils, and now we're down to the core, to to just the I am, the faceless, formless, without figure, I am. Then he goes back to the concept of circumcision, and now it starts to become really clear what he's saying. Do you want to read that part?
1: Yeah, you're spiritually circumcised when the consciousness of man is dropped, and your unconditional awareness of being is revealed to you as the everlasting head of creation, a formless, faceless, all-knowing presence, then unveiled and awake you will declare and know that I am is God, and beside me, this awareness, there is no God.
0: Yep, there it is. Now, I want to go back to the word adhesions, because I thought that was a really interesting choice in words, because he was talking about veils, right? That all these different Mm -hmm. conceptualizations that we put on ourselves are veils. And now he's referring to some of them as adhesions. What's an adhesion? It's something that sticks to us. We stuck it to ourselves initially, but now it sticks to us. Another way of saying a limitation, something that we've we've put up as a limit. And I, I think he kind of uses that word deliberately because a limit is not necessarily a good or a bad thing. I mean, in in many ways, it's a good thing because it's how we form and understand our lives as physical human beings. You have to have limits in order to do that. Right. Otherwise, you couldn't possibly right. be a human being. Okay. So there, there's the good side of it. The the bad side, if you want to call it a bad side, is sometimes we focus on things we don't really want, so we're creating structures we don't really want. And those are the limitations that are in the way, so to speak. When we, when we talk about um, self-imposed limitations, those are the ones we're talking about, the ones that don't serve us anymore, that we're trying to move aside and so forth. So when he changes the verbiage around and calls them adhesions, what that says to me is like, okay, I've taped this little piece of me on I've got this little piece on this little piece on this tape thing is this is like I like this one okay this this is me as as man and i am uh I am a man living in North America, and you know these are all my different characteristics I like those so these are the adhesions I like I'm not so crazy about those but because it's just an adhesive, I can just pull it up it's not a big deal. I think adhesion was a deliberately chosen word because it's so easy to adhere or to take it off it's not like it's permanently stuck for all time.
1: That's interesting. Well, I I just assumed he used the word because in the physical surgery that is done, Mm -hmm. it's the adhesions that are removed. Mm -hmm. So I figured he was using it just because... But it's interesting to think that they are removable,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that it's a choice. We can either remove them or not remove them. What do they service or do they not service?
1: Now, this next paragraph... And a couple of paragraphs. Um, I've read through this once because I wanted to know what I was getting into today.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think I think he kind of pushes the limit of um, being a little nebulous and vague. But we'll see if reading it a second time changes anything. He he has just spoken about um, the awareness that. There is no God, right, besides awareness, that awareness is, is God. And he says this mystery is told symbolically in the Bible story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. It's recorded that Jesus laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Then after washing his disciples' feet, he wiped them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Peter protested the washing of his feet and was told that unless his feet were washed, he would have no part of Jesus. Peter, on hearing this, replied, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He answered and said, It is washed, needeth not, needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. (laughs) So, you're already clean, you don't need to have your hands and your head washed, you just need your feet washed. Um, Neville says common sense would tell the reader that a man is not clean all over just because his feet are washed. Therefore, you should either discard this story as fantastic, or else look for its hidden meaning. Every story of the Bible is a psychological drama, taking place in the consciousness of man, and this one is no exception. This washing of the disciples' feet is the mystical story of spiritual circumcision, or the revealing of the secrets of the Lord. Jesus is called the Lord. You are told that the Lord's name is I Am. Jessui. I don't know why he went to French there. I
0: have no idea.
1: I am the Lord, that is my name. The story states that Jesus was naked save for a towel which covered his loins or secrets. Jesus or Lord symbolizes your awareness of being whose secrets are hidden by the towel, the consciousness. The foot symbolizes the understand which must be washed of all human beliefs or conceptions of itself by the Lord. As the towel is removed to dry the feet, the secrets of the Lord are revealed. In short, the removing of the belief that you are man reveals your awareness as the head of creation. Man is the foreskin hiding the head of creation. I am the Lord, hidden by the veil of man. So Neville's making the case that we are all God and that we are, that part of us is hidden by our humanity. By our humanness, by man. When he talks about The towel being removed to dry the feet, and all of this about you know, saying that the feet are understand. Um, I think an easier instruction that our feet are the part of our body carry us through the world. Mm -hmm. Um, We can have a clean body, and our feet get dirty because we're walking on the dirt, through the earth, through the world. We're going through daily living. We turn on the news and we hear stuff that might not lift us up, right? We right. we see and hear experiences that might not be aligned with the things we want to create. And so what do we do? We have to continually uh, renew our alignment, renew our vibration, realize that that's not the stuff that I want to be um Myself with or whatever. I think that's a better explanation. I wish Neville were here to discuss this with me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Well, I'm also intrigued by his use of the towel as as a metaphor because he explicitly says that the towel is the consciousness of man. Now, Jesus Christ, Kingdom of God—those are the ones that come to mind. Heaven, those he's all equated with just pure consciousness towel he's equating with consciousness of man man i'm trying to ask myself is that man as physical
1: i almost think you could put um being in there right that hidden by the towel consciousness of being man because that's the thing he wanted us to drop so often he's Mm -hmm. he's saying we start with this i am man or i am human Mm -hmm. um and says drop that drop that And just go with I am. Just recognize your faceless, formless being. So I'm not my hands and my feet and my body. I am is something faceless and formless that is the creator, that is more powerful. He's saying recognize that as your being. Right. Uh, Let this other stuff drop. So when he says, you know, he's talking about being hidden by the towel, I think that's I am man. <laughs> that's the consciousness of being a human.
0: Maybe right. The so,
1: awareness of our humanity is what's hiding uh, the secret.
0: So, so the answer to my saying, question is, yes, it's, it's actually physical man. It, it isn't man as spiritual beings. It's, it's the physical side of man. That, that's the, the side he's talking about. And if, I think so. If so, then uh, I can at least begin to understand why he's choosing to bring in this idea of washing the feet because washing the feet is a physical action and it is a way of spiritually tying the physicality of being and the physicality of feet and of body and everything else to this right. spiritual concept of consciousness because he's just he does distinguish this is consciousness of man as opposed to just pure consciousness and and that actually does fit very nicely with the rest of the chapter because he talks about the veils the, you know the, the, the little bits of of pieces of of who we associate ourselves as being that become these veils that hide the the true consciousness within. So now, what is circumcision? Circumcision is just simply cutting all that away and going right to the core of who we are. And now washing the feet becomes just another way of expressing, I am pushing all this stuff aside so I can go right to the the basic of who we are. And who
1: we are is a faceless, formless being.
0: Which is interesting. That's interesting. It is interesting because that's exactly how man tends to paint God. I mean, outside of Neville circles. Right. Outside of Neville's right. circles, that is what God is. It's this faceless, formless being. Well, he's just right. very clearly not only painted that picture of God, but said, you're it.
1: <laughs> you're it. You're it. And can you please stop looking at all of the outer stuff that hides that from you and mm-hmm. recognize that... Who you are is not limited to all of these physical characteristics and where you come from and who your tribe is and all of that. It's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. And if you allow that to, you know, be cut away, allow yourself to see what what's really in there, it's just the I am. Um, that's a powerful thing.
0: Neville was Big a very stuff. creative guy. He was very creative. I mean... Because clearly he was spending a lot of time coming up with metaphors. And and he was inspired by the uh-huh. fact that he was a, a very devout Christian. So he was pulling extensively from the Christian Bible. That's right. very clear. But nevertheless, he was also taking these teachings and turning them into something that was not the way they were usually taught. That takes creativity. That takes a lot of, you know, creating your own metaphors and so forth. And he really, boy, he went to town. I mean, sometimes I think his metaphors kind of, if you'll forgive the uh, phrase... They step on each other because you haven't washed the feet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes I feel like Neville is, um, trying to force a metaphor a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think uh, so. But
1: for the most part, I think his, his metaphors were pretty powerful. And I, and I also think that they spoke in a powerful way to his audience mm. because remember, I, he was holding these meetings when he was lecturing, um, his audience were Christians. So yeah. okay. he was, he was speaking to them a, a very deep truth and using their own language to make a point.
0: And I think he kind of had to go the scriptural route because not only was he speaking to a Christian audience, he was doing so in a Christian building. So, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was under the auspices of the Catholic church basically mm-hmm. that he was doing this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Very so.
0: interesting stuff. Well, we got through circumcision without dropping a blood <laughs> well, drop, well, drop of blood. That was good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a chapter though wow
1: so we are uh, I'm looking at the clock and wondering if you want to go into the next chapter
0: well I don't know if we, we have any questions
1: it. or comments we want to address
0: um, not really I mean the, the last comment of significance was Jason responding to what we talked about in answer to his question earlier where he says I think I'm finally starting to get the hang of LOA which is great congratulations that's good Jason yeah. But no, no, nothing specific about uh, Neville. So yeah, let's go for it. Why not? I don't know if we'll get through the chapter, but hey, we can try.
1: We can, we can try. So chapter fifteen of Your Faith Is Your Fortune is—I really like the title. It's called Interval of Time, and isn't that something that we just had the first question be That's asking right. us about an interval of time? Exactly. <laughs> Happens a lot on our show.
0: No kidding. Yeah. Well, it is Ellaway today after all.
1: Right. <laughs> So so Neville uh, starts out again with a, a Bible verse from the Christian Bible. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God believe also in me. Okay, for some reason in my version, that same verse is twice, but I won't read it twice. Uh, he said, the me in whom you must believe is your consciousness, the I am. It is God. It is also, <laughs> Here we can add to the uh, list of uh, equivalents. Mm-hmm. It's also the Father's house mm-hmm. containing within itself all conceivable states of consciousness.
0: Now there's an interesting thought there- right there because we just equated God and I am, with which is consciousness, he's already described that, with the Father's house, right? and now the Father's house is also consciousness, and the consciousness contains all conceivable states of consciousness. It's we got very a li- meta. We, we got a little reiteration going on there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he says every conditioned state of consciousness is called a mansion. This conversation takes place within yourself. Your I am, the unconditioned consciousness, is the Christ Jesus speaking to the conditioned self or the John Smith consciousness? Want to pick that apart? Uh-huh. <laughs> he says, I am John. From a mystical point of view, it's two beings, namely Christ and John. So if we, if we sort of look back at the chapter we just read, which was talking about this very thing, right? It's talking about our I am, meaning that faceless, formless consciousness that we are, and juxtaposing that with I am man, or you know, I am woman or I am mother or I am a teacher, I am whatever, all the things we think we are. He said he's calling that the, the John Smith consciousness. Right? Okay. So he says when our unconditioned consciousness, that faceless, formless consciousness, speaks to the shishin self or the John Smith consciousness, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're having a conversation. Yeah. So I go to prepare a place for you moving from your present state of consciousness into the state desired. It is a promise by your Christ or your awareness of being to your present conception of yourself, that you will leave your present consciousness and appropriate another. I really like this so much because of some other kinds of identity that I've done that include my present self in meditation going back and speaking to a previous version of myself, a younger oh, okay. version of myself. Mm-hmm. But this reminds me of, because it's this conversation of that powerful creator, formless, faceless power, speaking to this awareness of our present conception of ourselves. Man is such a...
0: I'm also wondering something else, too. This may be just fanciful on my part. I'm wondering how he picked the name John Smith. And the reason I say that is <laughs> there's a very famous explorer who, of course, uh, was involved with the settlement of Jamestown. And and the idea that he's an explorer, to me, that could be part of the metaphor. Right? Because what we're talking about here is the exploration of consciousness. Hmm? So when he talks about... How does, how does he say it? He says... Um, your I am, the unconditioned consciousness, is the Christ Jesus speaking to the conditioned self or the John Smith consciousness.
1: Yeah, I automatically was just assuming that he was using it as John Doe. You yeah, know, that, just that's, a that's what name. I thought at first, yeah. But, yeah, but, but it is. it would be interesting to know why he picked that particular name.
0: Because this, is a, this is a great big exploration. <laughs> I mean, all of his books are a great big exploration of consciousness. And I don't know, maybe, maybe, speaking of subconscious, maybe he subconsciously picked John Smith for that reason.
1: (laughs) He says, man is such a slave to time that if after he has appropriated a state of consciousness which is not now seen by the world, and it, the appropriated state, does not immediately embody itself, he loses faith in his unseen claim. Forthwith he drops it, and returns to his former static state of being. So it's like when we don't see it happen in 68 seconds,
0: right? Right, 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 yeah. We,
1: we give up. Yep. We've talked about this so much, and the reason why is because we hear from people so often that make statements like, well, I've been trying and trying, working and working on this, and, you know, my thing hasn't shown up yet, so forget it. It doesn't work. And that's what Neville's talking about right here, it and is. he says that this is, being a slave to time. He says, because of this limitation of man, I've found it very helpful to employ a specified interval of time in making this journey into a prepared mansion. Wait but a little while. We all have cataloged the different days of the week, months of the year, and seasons. By this, I mean you and I have said time and again, today feels like a Sunday, (laughs) (laughs) or a Monday, or a Saturday. We've also said in the middle of summer, feels and looks like the fall of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing because we've all done this, right? Oh, absolutely. Hopefully when you wake up and you, and it feels like a Monday, you'll suddenly realize it's actually Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> he says this is positive proof that you and I have definite feelings associated with these different days, months, and seasons of the year. Because of this association, We can at any time consciously dwell in that day or season which we have selected. Do not selfishly define this interval in days and hours because you're anxious to receive it, but simply remain in the conviction that it is done. Time, being purely relative, should be eliminated entirely, and your desire will be fulfilled.
0: So Neville becomes a quantum physicist because that's basically what (laughs) physics teaches, right?
1: Eliminating time entirely. Just eliminate it. Yeah. Okay. This ability to dwell at any point in time permits us to employ time in our travel into the desired mansion. Now we're time traveling. Yeah. Which I love. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now I, consciousness, when he says I, now I, consciousness, go to a point in time and there prepare a place. If I go to such a point in time, And prepare a place. I shall return to this point in time where I have left, and I shall pick up and take you with me into that place which I have prepared, that where I am, there ye may be also. Let me give you an example, he says, of this travel. Suppose you had an intense desire. Like most men who are enslaved by time, you might feel that you could not possibly realize so large a desire in a limited interval. But admitting that all things are possible to God, believing God to be the me within you or your consciousness of being, you can say, as John, I can do nothing. But since all things are possible to God, and God I know to be my consciousness of being, I can realize my desire in a little while. How my desire will be realized? I do not, as John, know. But by the very law of my being, I do know that it shall be. With this belief firmly established, decide what would be a relative, rational interval of time in which such a desire could be realized. Again, let me remind you not to shorten the interval of time because you are anxious to receive your desire. Make it a natural interval. No one can give you the time interval. Only you can say what the natural interval would be to you. The interval of time is relative, that is, no two individuals would give the same measurement of time for the realization of their desire. Time is ever conditioned by man's conception of himself. Confidence in yourself, as determined by conditioned consciousness, always shortens the interval of time. Mm -hmm. If you are accustomed to great accomplishments, you would give yourself a much shorter interval in which to accomplish your desire than the man schooled in defeat. If today were Wednesday, ha, it
0: is, (laughs) and you
1: decided that it would be quite possible for your desire to embody a new realization of yourself by Sunday, then Sunday becomes the point in time you would visit. To make this visit, you shut out Wednesday and let in Sunday. This is accomplished by simply feeling that it is Sunday. Begin to hear the church bells. Begin to feel the quietness of the day and all that Sunday means to you actually feel that it is Sunday. When this is accomplished, feel the joy of having received that which on Wednesday was but a desire. Feel the complete thrill of having received it, and then return to Wednesday, the point in time you left behind you. In doing this, you created a vacuum in consciousness by moving from Wednesday to Sunday. Nature, abhorring vacuums, rushes in to fill it, thereby fashioning a mold in the likeness of that which you potentially create, namely, the joy of having realized your defined desire. As you return to Wednesday, you will be filled with a joyful expectancy because you have established the consciousness of that which must take place the following Sunday. As you walk through the interval of Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, nothing disturbs you regardless of conditions because you predetermined That which you would be on the Sabbath, and that remains an unalterable conviction. By the way, Neville, the Sabbath is Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Having gone before and prepared the place, you have returned to John and are now taking him with you through the interval of three days into the prepared place that he might share your joy with you. For where I am, there you may be also.
0: And the Seventh-day Adventist jumped up and down with joy, saying, yes, I agree with you, Cindy, it is Saturday. (laughs)
1: Yes, well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Yeah, a couple thoughts were were coming to my mind as you were reading all this. The first being that when he is, let's see, where is it? Um, Well, this whole section here about uh, how he projects ahead into time. What he's basically doing is this is the first person I can think of Abraham doesn't really do it this way. Seth doesn't do it this way. Tony Robbins kind of, sort of does. Dale Carnegie doesn't. Uh, Napoleon Hill. Most of the gurus don't tell you how to place a specific limit on time. They don't tell you, yeah, you know, a- attract it within X days or something like that. But he's giving you a specific formula for doing that.
1: And I like that he's saying, don't try to rush it. Right right like you know a great example of this that comes to mind is when we wrote when we wrote our book you had a different vision for the time amount of time it would take to get the book done I and did. i thought you were out of your mind right well i was cuz my <laughs> because that you came close to getting it done and that and and cuz my experience and my right vision of how long something would take was different than yours mm-hmm. that's all yeah And and it makes so much sense that a lot of times, time really is the factor that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Because when people say, well, I really want X to happen, but I just don't think it's possible. Maybe we don't think it's possible because we want it to happen too fast or in a time period that makes it seem impossible. So I just think it's a really interesting question to ask myself. When I want a certain thing that seems impossible, if I say, well, if you gave yourself, you know, enough time, couldn't it be possible? Mm. So maybe that's a really great hint from Neville is to ask ourselves what a reasonable amount of time to make this thing happen would be.
0: Well, Well, you made an interesting point also about me being out of my mind. Because I think,
1: <laughs> it, I, and I really I, didn't think you were out of your mind.
0: But well, well I, I, went, were, I think I think in a sense wow. I was. I think, and I think that was actually a good thing, <laughs> because literally, yeah. by if I had stayed in my mind, I would have said it would take a year or whatever, you know, like like you would have expected, because right. that's what my mind would right. have told me. I literally set my mind aside so that I wouldn't let it limit me, and said, "Let's just plow through this thing." We can get this thing done. <laughs> I have no idea how, but we can get this thing done. We can get this thing done in weeks. Well, it took a little bit more than weeks, but just because I was willing to, to put that particular limit aside, you know, it, it has to take right? a year, then it didn't take a year. Was- and
1: yet, here's the thing, is that one of the things that, one of the pro- thought processes I went through in that was, okay, look, Walt's a smart guy. He, he knows how many hours he can devote. He knows how many hours are in a week. He, you know, he's figured it out. So he's going with this time frame. Okay. Hey, you say you could do it. What's interesting is we had different time frames in mind. So mm-hmm. for each person, for, for everyone that's trying to use this method, this time travel method, now I know why I like Neville. See, I love time travel. <laughs> Just be realistic about the thing. How long Should it take?
0: Because you know what,
1: I I I have a suspicion it will come sooner most of the time.
0: Well, I would say it isn't even a question of how long do you think it would take. It's more a question of how much are you willing to allocate, how much are you how how much how much time are you willing to to give yourself? You know, right? It's a way of being kind to yourself and saying take the pressure off. You know.
1: Beautiful. Yes.
0: That's which really is so else. important? Yeah, that, I think it's yeah. why most often most of the gurus don't say, you know, put a time limit on. They 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 take the time out of it. They just say, and like Abraham says, well, the universe likes to likes to deliver things fast. So it really comes up, to, it comes down to you. How quickly are you willing to let it in? If you're willing to let it in right away, it's going to show up instantly. If you're not willing, to let and it then, it then when it right doesn't, we beat ourselves up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the point that I think you and I are touching on here, which is. We yeah. don't need to beat ourselves up. It's okay to set a time limit. I've always felt yeah. that. It really came down to, it, it, the, is the time limit there to serve us or is the time limit there to hinder us? If the time limit serves yes. us, if it actually feeds our, our ability to stay in that positive place, then great. Set the time limit.
1: Excellent. I agree. I'm I'm right there with you. I agree.
0: Yeah. Beautifully I I made the point. Yeah. And i got to congratulate you. Hey, this is a good we got, it through, we, we got both chapters done within the hour, <laughs> which is really, really cool. Yay!
1: And,
0: and with a minute to spare, so I can actually remind people, if they're not yet subscribers of the podcast, please become a subscriber. We made it as simple as possible. Just go to the homepage, net. and now, Cindy, if they go to the homepage, there is one link at the top, and it's the one that's appropriate for their device. They don't even have to figure out which is Ooh. the right link for them. So just click that. Nice. Walks them right through the process, and bang, just like that, you're a subscriber. And then, of course, be sure be certain to share the fact that you're subscribing with everybody else when you hear an episode like this one that you like so much. So, thank you for for being a subscriber, and thank you, Cindy, for doing the research as usual to keep us on on track with what Neville is trying to tell us. Because, boy, I, I, I would not do this myself. You're you're good at it. you're <laughs> really good at it. I really appreciate it. And oh, and um. I, I'm almost remiss. I almost forgot. I'm trying to make sure all of my co-hosts give the opportunity, have the opportunity to tell people how to reach out to them. So how do they reach out to Cindy Chavez?
1: They can reach out to me. Um, my website is CindyChavez.com. C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z. There's a contact form there. I would love to hear from you. It would be great.
0: Excellent. <laughs> give me a shout it. out. All right. Well, thank you, as usual, for for leading us through Neville. Thank you to our live stream listeners and for the questions we got there. Thank you to our podcast listeners as well. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye, everyone.